Numbers 18. Yahweh said to Aaron, you and your sons and your father's house with you shall bear the iniquity of the sanctuary. And you and your sons with you shall bear the iniquity of your priesthood. Bring your brothers also, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father near with you, that they may be joined to you and minister to you. But you and your sons shall be with, your sons with you shall be before the tent of the testimony. They shall keep your commands and the duty of the whole tent. Only they shall not come near to the vessels of the sanctuary and to the altar, that they not die, neither they nor you. They shall be joined to you and keep the responsibility of the tent of meeting for all the service of the tent. A stranger shall not come near to you. You shall perform the duty of the sanctuary and the duty of the altar that there be no more wrath on the children of Israel. Behold, I myself have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the children of Israel. They are a gift to you dedicated to Yahweh to do the service of the tent of meeting. Sorry about the rain, but hopefully you can still hear me. You and your sons with you shall keep your priesthood for everything of the altar, and for that within the veil you shall serve. I give you the service of the priesthood as a gift. The stranger who comes near shall be put to death. Yahweh spoke to Aaron, Behold, I myself have given you the command of my wave offerings, even all the holy things of the children of Israel, I have given them to you by reason of the anointing, and to your sons as a portion forever. This shall be yours of the most holy things from the fire, every offering of theirs, even every meal offering of theirs, and every sin offering of theirs, and every trespass offering of theirs, which they shall render to me, shall be most holy for you and for your sons. You shall eat of it like the most holy things. Every male shall eat of it, it shall be holy to you. This is yours too, the wave offering of their gift, even all the waves offerings of the children of Israel. I have given them to you and to your sons and to your daughters with you as a portion forever. Everyone who is clean in your house shall eat of it. I have given to you all the best of the oil, all the best of the vintage and of the grain, the first fruits of them which they give to Yahweh. The first ripe fruits of all that is in their land which they bring to Yahweh shall be yours. Everyone who is clean in your house shall eat of it. Everything devoted in Israel shall be yours. Everything that opens the womb of all flesh which they offer to Yahweh, both of man and animal, shall be yours. Nevertheless, you shall surely redeem the firstborn of man, and you shall redeem the firstborn of unclean animals. You shall redeem those who are to be redeemed of them from a month old, according to your estimation, for five shekels of money, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, which weighs twenty gerahs. But you shall not redeem the firstborn of a cow, or the firstborn of a sheep, or the firstborn of a goat. They are holy. You shall sprinkle their blood on the altar. You shall burn their fat for an offering made by fire for a present aroma to Yahweh. Their meat shall be yours, as the wave offering breast and as the right thigh, it shall be yours. All the wave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to Yahweh, I have given you and your sons and your daughters with you as a portion forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before Yahweh to you 
and to your offspring with you. Yahweh said to Aaron, You shall have no inheritance in their land, neither shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance amongst the children of Israel. To to the children of Israel, behold, I have given all the tithe of Israel for an inheritance. In return for their service which they serve, even the service of the tent of meeting. Henceforth, the children of Israel shall not come near the tent of meeting, lest they bear sin and die. But the Levites shall do the service of the tent of meeting, and they shall bear their iniquity. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. Among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. For the tithe of the children of Israel, which they offer as a wave offering to Yahweh, I have given to the Levites for an inheritance. Therefore I have said to them, Among the children of Israel they shall have no inheritance. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Moreover, you shall speak to the Levites and tell them, When you take of the children of Israel the tithe, which I have given you from them for your inheritance, then you shall offer up a wave offering of it for Yahweh, a tithe of the tithe. Your wave offering shall be credited to you as though it were the grain of the threshing floor and as the fullness of the winepress. Thus, you also shall offer a wave offering to Yahweh of all your tithes, which you receive of the children of Israel, and of it you shall give Yahweh's wave offering to Aaron the priest. Out of all your gifts, you shall offer every wave offering to Yahweh of all its best parts, even the holy part of it. Therefore, you shall tell them, when you heave its best from it, then it shall be credited to the Levites as the increase of the threshing floor and as the increase of the winepress. You may eat it anywhere, you and your households, for it is your reward in return for your service in the tent of meeting. You shall bear no sin by reason of it. When you have heaved from it its best, you shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, that you not die. Sometimes it's easy to get lost in chapters like this, Um, but this chapter is basically, um, the first half is the Lord talking to Aaron, the second half is the Lord talking to Moses, and it's all about their responsibilities and their privileges of being the priests. So at first, when he's talking to Aaron, he says to Aaron that he and his sons would bear the iniquity of the tabernacle. And, you know, they would bear the iniquity of, of their service. In other words, they were going to carry the responsibility of the things they were doing. And if they didn't do them properly, they would be responsible. You know, it's, it wasn't someone else's fault if they didn't do it properly. And um, so they were accountable for the holy things. Well, they were accountable for, for, for the ministry. They were accountable for God's work. In the preceding chapter... There were other preceding two chapters. There were people like Korah who rebelled against God. They wanted to be priests. They wanted this high and holy responsibility. They had a terrible attitude and they were punished. And so, um, you know, there was a problem with aspiring to this position. But it also, at the same time, we, we realize for those who were in this position, like Aaron and his sons, that they couldn't be proud or presumptuous because they had to bear the iniquity. In other words, they they had to carry this task with such 
respect that they had to be done properly. In other words, they realized that the same judgment against those on the outside would be there for them on the inside. And um, in the New Testament, in the, the Gospel writer James, the brother of the Lord, he wrote this, James chapter 3, verse 1. He said, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. So, you know, in the Old Testament, they had to carry the iniquity. In other words, the responsibility was great and grave, and they had to keep it in mind and serve with respect. In the New Testament, we're told that those who serve the Lord with teaching, you know, leading God's people, will have a greater judgment. And I'm not personally a fan of the fact that that's the reality, but it means that when we try to explain the Bible to people, we need to do it not flippantly, not, um, you know, just close enough as good enough, but try to explain it properly with proper respect for God, mindful that we're feeding God's sheep, that, that, that we don't want to make a mistake. We know that God's gracious, but there is a greater judgment. So, you know, that it's not just those who are outside that, that have to be judged, but those who are, you know, are given this more priestly role. We're all priests, but some are given a, a five-fold ministry, but there's a greater responsibility there. The priests here, in the second half, the Lord talks to Moses, and it's about the tithes, the tithes that are given to the priests and how they're to be looked after. But the tithes were basically for the priests to survive. The priests weren't given land, like the tribe of Levi wasn't given land like all the other tribes, but they were given these offerings. And the offerings were basically their support. And so in, it's similar to today where we still collect tithe. A tithe is a 10% that belongs to the Lord. And in churches all around the world, the tithe is given and offerings are given. And these offerings and tithes, they do many things, but they certainly support gospel workers. And um, so it's not just, you know, priests make a living from these offerings. And in the New Testament today, it's the same. The, there are two benefits of, of receiving tithes. Like if you're a pastor like myself, I, I receive an income through the church, and there are two benefits of this. First that I'm able to, I don't have to take on this greater responsibility, but also pay for it as well. Like, you imagine being expected to carry this great weight and responsibility, but then not be paid for it. You'd be, you know, you at least by, um, you know, you're not serving at your own expense. But secondly, that when someone in a priestly role, like say in the tribe of Levi, or someone in today as a pastor serves and they're paid for it, it means that their mind doesn't have to worry about how am I going to support my family. You can just get down to the business of doing the, the Lord's work. And so um, some churches, they think it's holy to, you know, or think it's godly to not pay their pastor very much. And so they think that, you know, that poverty is a good thing and being poor is a good thing. We won't pay our pastor very much. So then this puts the pastor in a tricky position. He wants to give his full-time service to serving the church and the people, but he, he, his, his family is poor while there are people, sometimes people in his church who are doing much better than him, who are not giving properly. And so the pastor is now struggles because he's now thinking of his family and how can he can take care of them. And his mind isn't fully given to the work of the Lord. 
And so what, what, we, what we can say about this is it's actually godly to pay your pastor well. I'm not saying that because I'm wanting to be paid more. In fact, I, I, I'm glad that I'm paid sufficiently here at Peace. And there are many churches that I know of where the pastors are paid sufficiently, they're paid equivalently, you know? So I get paid an equivalent wage. And I mean, it's possible if I wasn't a minister that I could earn more, it's true. There are many people that earn more money who are professionals. That's always a possibility, but I'm paid uh, well to the point where I appreciate my pay and I'm able to give my attention to the Lord and churches should do that. They should pay their pastor a commensurate wage so that their mind and their heart isn't distracted by, by worry all the time about how their family is going to be fed. Now, in the New Testament, we've got someone like Paul. Paul was, Paul did serve the Lord at his own expense. He did not want to be paid by the churches. He, he even wrote in one place in the New Testament where he said, to, I think it was to the church at Corinth, he said, forgive me that I didn't ask you for money. Paul had reasons for that. And one of his reasons was he wanted to be able to say that his ministry to the church was, it was something that he gave. He didn't want to say that, it, that he was paid for it. Now, I understand that, and that's true. And there are things that I also do for the church beyond the normal you know, giving, and I don't ask to be paid for them, and many pastors are like that. But Paul also didn't have a family. He didn't have a wife, and he didn't have children, and uh, he traveled a lot, and so he was able to survive on very little. And there were times, and he didn't have, it, didn't have the proper resources, but he said that he had learned that he could live with much or live with little, and he was content. And that's where that famous passage comes, thing, comes in where he says that he could do all things through Christ who strengthens him, no matter whether he was weak or rich or poor or strong or whatever situation in, he knew he could do it. But it is much more difficult for ministers and it certainly would have been difficult for the Levites and the priests back then if they weren't given the support, but they were still expected to serve the Lord. The mind of that man and the mind of many pastors is if they have a family, they're worried for their children and they want to be able to send them to a good school. They want to be able to give them good health benefits and not have to worry. And so a smart church will pay their pastor a wage which enables them to pay all their bills and to have a little bit left over to feel good about themselves. So, and the gifts of course that are given to a pastor should be obligation free. And that was one of the other reasons why Paul didn't want to receive gifts from people was because gifts weren't given obligation free. The Corinthians, for example, would have given with strings attached. And many people in the ancient world, they felt that when you gave money to someone, that person became your servant and they had to do what you wanted. And Paul did not want those obligations and those strings attached. But there was one church, the Philippian church, that did give money with no strings attached. And they became what I believe is Paul's favorite church. You can read about the gift of the Macedonians in the second half of 2 Corinthians. So I think what we can learn about this is because all of this chapter is about the rights and the responsibilities of priests, or in other words, God's workers, God's servants. And I think what we can learn from this is on one hand, priests carry a greater responsibility. 
And um, so we don't envy those who have this position, those who are in the fivefold ministry who are called to a special role. They've called to live their life and serve God in this special dedicated way. They carry greater responsibility. So we shouldn't, you know, we shouldn't begrudge them the support that they need. And we shouldn't give with strings attached, but we should give them every freedom to serve the Lord with a whole heart as they feel they should. So I guess it's a chapter, you know, for, for those of us who, who serve in the church and maybe we're not in full-time ministry, but it's a, a chapter that reminds us of our attitude towards those over us in the Lord so that we could consider their, their greater responsibilities and not begrudge them the, the, the gifts and, and a proper wage and, you know, the things that they need to serve God with a whole heart. So let's pray for them. Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for those who are over us in the Lord and we thank you for them. We thank you that there are people you've put into the body of Christ who carry a greater responsibility than we do. Lord, we appreciate them. We thank you in your wisdom you've put them there. And we ask, Lord, you bless them. Lord, I pray that they would not have their minds and hearts distracted by other things, by the worries of how they're going to support their family. But Lord, meet their needs, support them. And Lord, when we give to them, Lord, let our gift be a blessing. So Lord, let every grace be given in the body of Christ for every person, whichever position they're in. In the name of Jesus, amen.